0: Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. There was a rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate (coughs) full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover the dogs came and licked his sores it came to pass that buried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let us pray. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, as we bow before you today, Lord, I do thank you for your word. Thank you for another opportunity that you've given that I might be able to stand before your people. And I trust just to be a vessel in your hand today. Set a guard before my mouth, O God, and help me to say exactly what you would have me say. Help me to be a blessing and a help to your people, a challenge and encouragement. And I pray if there be one unsaved today that they'd come to know you as Savior. O God, we wait upon you and trust you to do your work in hearts and lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to bring you a message on this thought the first five minutes after death. The story that we have here is a very debated story. A lot of people refer to it as a parable. It is not a parable. Even if it was a parable, it would not change the meaning that is that the Lord is seeking to give. But it is not a parable. There was a certain rich man and there was a certain beggar. This really happened. This is a real story. And the facts of the story are true. Uh, And uh, we should take it as that. Uh, There's a lot of uh, misunderstanding, a lot of misinformation being given out in relation to death. and, And what happens beyond death? And the Bible says in Romans, there is no fear of God before the rise. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of people, they have no fear of death because they have no understanding of death. Uh, I'll tell you, when God saved me, I was afraid I was going to hell. And uh, I believe that uh, there ought to be fear. The Bible said, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And hell is an awful fault, an awful place. But I, there's some things that, uh, some realizations I believe that one has beyond death. And the first realization is there's the realization of one's destiny and present state. You know, it does not end the death. In reality, it only begins. It does not end. Life goes on. God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living So, there's a part in you that will never cease to exist. No matter what you do. People say, I I just can't take it anymore. I'm going to commit suicide. Uh, Well, that doesn't doesn't solve anything. (laughs) You know, it goes on. You You cannot cease to exist. And so, there is life beyond the grave. And one's destiny is determined at death. In fact, it's determined before death. One's destiny is determined in this life. People say, well, I think there's going to be a great judgment day you know, to determine where you're going to heaven or hell. Uh, there is no such an event when everybody will be judged at the same time, everybody will be resurrected at the same time. There is no such event spoken of in the Bible. The Bible teaches when Jesus comes in the rapture that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Revelation 20, the rest of the dead live not again until a thousand years were finished. And so uh, destiny is determined by what one does with Jesus Christ. And those that have received the Lord Jesus Christ will be as Lazarus. The Bible said that uh, that, uh, the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Life went on for him. He went. Uh, he had this angelic escort right. sure into paradise, which at that time was located in the heart of the earth, Now it's located in the third heaven, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But uh, the Bible said in, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. That's for the believer. And I want to say if you're a child of God today, if death came to you, you'd be better off. Not better off than you are now, but better off than you've ever been and better off than any of us if you're saved. Paul said it's far better, not just better but far better it's a whole lot better yeah. uh, and I'm glad of that, aren't you glad we've got a better place to go and so life goes on beyond the grave but then on the other hand it says that uh, the rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lifted up, he lift up his eyes being in torments uh, now they bury his body but uh, he goes on. The soul, and, the soul and spirit goes on living. That can't die. That goes on. And the Bible said he died and was buried. And being a rich man, he probably had a special burial. But in hell, he lift up his eyes. How could one lift up their eyes when, they're in the, when, when the, their, their body is dead? Right. Uh, you know, uh, some say that hell is, that the grave is hell. Well, let's substitute grave. And in the he, rich man also died and was buried. And in the grave, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Does that make any sense? Not at all. In hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. This tells me, and he sees Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And remember, Abraham does, Abraham's dead also. Lazarus is dead also. Abraham's body is buried. Lazarus' body is buried. Just like, uh, you know, in the news, the Israelis gave Hebron back there, or Hebron back to the Palestinians. That's where Abraham and those fellows are buried over there. And, uh, but uh, uh, he can see and talk to Abraham. He can have a conversation to him. This tells me that, the soul has the form and appearance of the body. Yeah. And he can feel the pain of hell. He The Bible said he was in torments. His tongue's on fire. He begs for water. Right. And uh, he has all of his senses. There's a realization of one's destiny and present state. And I think the saddest realization that one could ever have is they realize it cannot be changed. Right. No matter what this rich man does, what's happened has happened, and it cannot be reversed. You know, as long as there's life, there's hope. As long as a person's living in this world, there's an opportunity to be saved if they're not saved. And, uh, but when death comes, that seals it. That ends it. And I'll tell you, it's a tragic thing to go to hell, but I'll tell you, for a person to think they're going to heaven and then go to hell, to me that's the worst possible situation that I can ever imagine is for someone to sit on the pews of this church and think they're going to go to heaven and end up in hell. And that'll happen. And it will happen more in some churches than other churches, but that will happen. And what a tragic situation that's going to be. This man's destination cannot be changed. Second of all, there is a realistic understanding of the important and unimportant. You know, when you, when you leave this world, the things that we fret over and the things that bother us and the things that worry us and the things that concern us, when death comes, it's amazing. Those things won't, matter, won't mean anything. Sometimes that happens before death. I've visited people with terminal illness, and uh, uh, you know they, they realize they're, they're going to die, and uh, it's amazing how the priorities change and how things that used to consume us and things that used to, to take our time and our, our, our thoughts and our efforts, how those things become unimportant. Now the things that really matter are the things that that count for eternity. God help us to realize while there's yet time uh, what's really important and what isn't. Now Lazarus Lazarus did not go to paradise because he was a poor man. Uh, And the rich man didn't go to hell because he was a rich man. Lazarus went to paradise because he was a saved man. His name means Jehovah is my Savior. And I believe God had him laid at the gate of the rich man there. Every day as a testimony to that rich man. And I think he probably gave testimony to him. I think he was a, a thorn in the side of the rich man. I think he was an aggravation. Basically that... Someone from the slums would, would come and be laid at this elaborate estate here at the gate as the visitors would come to, reach, to, to visit the rich man. They would have to pass this awful, stinking, poor man laid there at his gate. The Bible said the dogs came and licked his sores. This fa- he was poor, but he was sick. And uh, he had to, they had to go by Lazarus. And I'm sure that uh, they detested him being there. But you know something? In the next life, it all changed, didn't it? It all changed. And... uh, Uh, That brings me to the next point I want to make. There is a remembrance of one's life on earth and its effect on life there. Now, I I was reading one author, and he said this is the story of two beggars. One begged in this life, and the other begged in the next life. Lazarus desired uh, to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. But in the next life, uh, the... The rich man begged for a drop of water. And, of course, uh, I was also reading, and the author indicated that this is the only place that uh, you read about someone praying to a dead saint. And you know what he got from his prayer? Nothing. Just like everybody today that prays to dead saints... You know how many of those prayers are answered? None. And so, uh, but he he said, I pray thee. In verse 27, he said, I pray thee, Father. But uh, there's a realization of one's life on earth and its effect on life there. Verse 25, but Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou tormented. He reminds him of his past life. You know, uh, one of the most tormenting things about hell is the fact that one will have their memory, and they will remember the opportunities that they did not take advantage of. Now this is true about the unsaved. It's true about the saved. In eternity. And uh, I want you to turn back to Luke chapter 12, just a few pages there if you would please. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse uh, 47 and 48. Let me get in the right chapter here. Luke chapter 12, verse 47 and 48. The Bible said, And that servant which knew his Lord's will... And prepared not himself, neither did according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. Unto whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Now here we have the principle and the truth that God is a just God and punishment is meted out not only according to works, but also according to opportunity. A question that I've been asked over the years is, what about the heathen? What about those in other countries that have never seen a Bible, have never heard a gospel message, have never heard about Jesus Christ? What will happen to those people if they die lost? And of course, you study Romans chapter 1, You find the answer. He says that they are without excuse. Because God has revealed himself. The invisible things have been revealed through the visible things. The visible creation of God reveals the Godhead. And I just believe if man responds to the light that God gives them, God will give them more light. So they can be saved. And so man is without excuse. You say, well, what about a person that lives in this part of the country that's had all this opportunity? Well, God is just. And I've said before, if I had to go to hell, I'd rather go to hell from anywhere than this part of the world because of all the opportunity. He that knew his Lord's will did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with many stripes. He that knew not his Lord's will did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. But he still received the stripes. But he didn't know his Lord's will. But his suffering is not as great as the one that knew his Lord's will. That's why you have a judgment for the unbelievers. That's why there is a judgment, uh, of course, the judgment seat of Christ for saved people, but then there is the great white throne judgment for unbelievers. It's not a judgment to determine where they're going. They're all lost. Ain't none of them saved. They're all lost. Why have a judgment? The judgment is to determine the degree of punishment in the lake of fire. The Bible said they're judged every man according to their works. And the idea, some people say, well, you know, it don't make any difference. If I'm lost, if I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell anyway. It don't make any difference what I do. I might as well just sin all I can. I'm going to hell anyway, and there'll be no difference. Oh, yes, there'll be a difference. Now, there's not going to be any good places. It's all going to be bad. It's all going to be fire. It's all going to be torment. Well, I tell you, some are going to be tormented to a greater degree than others. Listen to what the Bible says. If you read Revelation 21, 8, he talks about the fearful and unbelieving and so forth, and all liars shall have their part, their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. They will have their part. And so God is perfectly just and righteous. And so, life on earth will affect life there. It is, true of, it is true of unbelievers. It is true of believers. One's life on earth will affect life there. Now, it does not determine where you get there. A person goes to hell because they don't get saved. A person goes to heaven because they receive Jesus Christ. But our life, the effect of life, is determined by our works as far as the saved go. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now everybody that's there is saved. Nobody but saved people going to appear there. Only saved people. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. This is a judgment to determine rewards. Now turn to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verse uh, 13 through 15, page twelve fourteen, 14, Bible, 1 Corinthians 3, Verse 13 through 15, listen to what he says. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. He himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now again, every life the judgment seat of Christ is saved. Even those whose works are burned up, they're still saved. Those whose works stand in the fire, this has to do with, uh, with, with uh, works that we perform for the Lord. It has to do with faithfulness in performing those works. It has to do with intent, Why do I do what I do? And all that. But if the work abides the fire of the judgment seat of Christ, then I get a reward. If it does not abide the fire, I'm saved, but I suffer loss. I suffer loss, and there's a message in that. I believe that what I do today will affect me 10,000 years from now now that puts it in a whole new light there's people setting up the house today that could be here there's people that can't be here because they're sick but there's people that could be here and they're just setting up the house for no real reason other than they just too lazy to get up and come 10,000 years from now they'll wish they'd have come it'll be affecting them a long, long, long time. As far as rewards, there are lots of rewards. It has a long-term effect, does not it? I want to say that our life on earth affects life there. He said, Son, remember, you receive good things, and Lazarus, evil things, Now he's got the good things and you've got the evil things. It's turned around. Then, fourthly, there will be a revelation of eternity. Verse 26, and beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass the west that would come from thence. God says there's a gulf and it cannot be crossed. Even if Lazarus wanted to come over, he can't. Can you imagine what it was like? Of course, that was when paradise was in the heart of the earth. Now it's in heaven, and hell is still down the heart of the earth. But can you imagine what it, what it would be like for you to be saved, me to be saved, go to paradise and look over and torment and see a husband or wife over there or a, a child over there or brother or sister over there, you know what some people would want to do? They'd want to go get them. But God says that's impossible. That's why we need to be concerned and soul conscious to, uh, today. That's why we need to go out and try to reach them now because once they're in hell, you can't get to them. Even if you want to, you can't. And they can't get to you. There's a revelation of eternity. You know, it's hard for me to comprehend eternity. We're bound by time. We get tired. We have to sleep. We live with day and night, months, weeks, and months, and years, and we're bound by this matter of time. And it's hard for us to comprehend eternity, isn't it? The Bible said in Isaiah 57:15 that God the Lord is the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Eternity. Time passes. I was, uh, you know, sitting in the hospital this week, as I do many times, and uh, time passes slow, if you've ever done that. Maybe someone, a loved one's being operated on, and, and they say it'll be three or four hours and, or two hours or whatever and some people they look at their watch and they take them and they say well let's see they go at nine o'clock he said it'd be three hours they'll be out at twelve and they don't realize they've got to go take them to the operating room and prep them and it may take an hour before the doctor ever does anything and uh, amazing thing about my dad they uh, they said it'll you know, it'd probably be about an hour and about an hour later here come the doctor it's quite amazing but uh uh, time seems like, you know, someone's sick and you're waiting and it's slow. Time just passed so slow, doesn't it? Uh, and you go to the doctor's office for a doctor's appointment. You know, they've got four-year-old magazines and, and uh, uh, they've been read 40 times and all the coupons cut out of them and, or maybe 4,000 times, I don't know. Uh, but the time, how the time passes so slowly. And uh uh if you ever had a night you can't sleep. And uh you know, you just roll around and toss and you look at your watch and say, Man, I've got to, I've gotta get some sleep and that's the worst possible situation because then you couldn't sleep for nothing. You know, you you get all uptight about going to sleep. I've got to sleep. And the clock just seemed like it, the night goes on forever. Eternity. You say, Preacher, that's the way it is when you're preaching. Say, like it goes, time don't ever pass. <laughs> eternity. How do we comprehend eternity? Someone said that they tried to describe it in this way. If a little bird flew down to the Atlantic Ocean and dipped its beak in the water of the Atlantic Ocean and dipped up a drop of water. Flew across the United States and deposited that drop of water in the Pacific Ocean. But the time that little bird had carried all the water from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean, eternity would have just begun. That's awesome, isn't it? Eternity. I try to use this when I'm witnessing to people. I try my best somehow to get them to visualize eternity. Eternity is a long, long time. And for the life of me, how someone cannot be saved when they realize they're lost, I I, I don't know where I'll ever have the answer to that. You think anybody, anybody gets saved, how could one remain lost? Why would, why would a person go to hell and spend eternity in a fire where the Bible said the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched, when they can go to heaven for free? Yeah. Why under heaven would anybody go to hell when salvation's free? And yet the masses of the masses of mankind will end up in hell. When all they had to do was reach out and receive the gift of God. All they had to do was say, Lord, I'll accept it. I take it. Eternity. The Bible says, For the saved in 1 Thessalonians 4, and so shall we ever. Be with the Lord. In Revelation 21, 3, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. What a contrast. You think of this poor rich man. If I could open the door of hell this morning, you could hear that, you could hear that rich man again. He'd still be begging for water. He'd still be begging for someone to warn the lost. He'd still be begging for a way out. But I want to tell you, after 2,000 years, he's still there. And he'll never, ever get out of that awful place of hell. There's a revelation of eternity. And then finally, there is a real concern for the salvation of the living. A real concern for the salvation of the living. In verse uh, 27, he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that I would ascend him to my father's house, for I have five brethren. He may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophet. Let them hear them. He said, they have the word of God. Right. Yes. Let them hear what I've said. And the Bible says we're born again by the word of God, in 1 Peter 1, He said, no, Father Abraham, that won't convince them. Send somebody from the dead. He said, if they're not convinced this way, they'd be not convinced though one rose from the dead. And they were not. One did rise from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead, and people are still not convinced. Still not convinced. You know, there's a a concern in hell for lost souls. People say, I've had people tell me, my friends, all my friends are in hell. I want to go see my friends. We're going to have a big party. My my relatives, they they're in hell. I, I want to go see them. I want to tell you something. If you've got relatives in hell, you've got friends in hell. They don't want you to come. There ain't no big parties in hell. Hell is an awful place. But there's concern in hell about the lost. There's concern in heaven. The Bible says in. Luke 15, verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Verse 10, likewise I say unto you there are joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. You know, there's a lot of concern in hell about lost souls. There's a lot of concern in heaven about lost souls. But you know something? There's not much concern on earth, is there? Fact there's not much concern in the church, and the church don't care who does care. Right. We don't care who's gonna care. There's not much care. <laughs> Brother Tomlinson's is talking about passiveness in Sunday school. And I think that sums it up in a word. We're just passive. We don't care. Not much concern over souls. I read about this missionary meeting. Eighty-one-year-old man attended along with around 2,000 other people. It was a huge meeting. As people were challenged for missions, the the appeal was made for someone to start a work among the Zulus now remember, there's 2,000 plus there. You know how many responded? One man. You know who it was? An 81-year-old retired man. He sold, sold everything he had. Spent 14 years. Went blind <laughs> And one day he dropped dead of a heart attack 14 years later. But he left a thriving church among those needy people. Man had a burden, man had a concern. But the average church member today is far more interested in the Super Bowl or some other ball game than they are about souls. And I'm not against ball games specifically. But I'll tell you, if we more if we care more for that, we do the cause of Christ. There's something wrong. It's telling about uh, a thirty-second commercial spot. It's selling for one point two million dollars, and they estimate hundred and forty or fifty million people. I think will be watching. Can you imagine that? And I, I enjoy football. I'm not against football. But how does that compare? I wonder how many thoughts, and there's 150 million or ever how many it will be. I wonder how many will even give the first thought to eternity today. And how this is going to affect my eternity. God help us to be stirred. Before death comes, because after death we'll realize what really counted—that's priorities.